The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position of Owen TV's management, staff, or board of directors. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Tonight, and uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different one than uh, what we normally do. Um, obviously, by the beginning, you can tell what this show is going to be, uh, but uh, before we get into all that... That video warms my cockles, <laughs> by the way. I know, me too. I was like getting lost in it. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch this video the whole time, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but... Uh, Joining me, or by the way, I am your host, Mad Dog Butch. Got to get that in. And uh, joining me as most of the time, the uh, uh, man who attacked Hideo Otami, none other than Brace Beamer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like like I said, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different one. Um, obviously, a tribute to. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I felt like we should should at least uh, honor him in, oh, heck yeah. uh, in this way. Not only because he's my favorite wrestler, one of my favorite wrestlers. Was well, he uh, one or two? Because I know you. Every day, every day you ask me. Every day you ask me, it would be it would be different. But um, well, if they had a if they had a match, in if they had anywhere, a, who would you want to win? I. I mean, that's really uh, that's, not fair to say that's I mean, it's one a, or two. But. It's a tough one, but I probably would have voted. I, I, I would have rooted for Bobby because I always expected him, even when he, you know, like before he got to later on in his career where he didn't win as much, yeah. um, I always expected him to lose. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he, he, he didn't, and he, and he had a, a decent singles career at one point, and we'll get into that later, but... Um, yeah, so uh, you know, the underdog factor there, I probably would have been rooting for for Bobby. Yeah, so, it'd be hard um, not to. Yeah, so uh, an incredible piece of talent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to to do this is because it's uh, it's different. I mean, he. I mean, we'll talk about this too, but he's not a guy that ever worked for the WWF, so he's not going to get the recognition that a lot of guys do yeah, when right. they when they pass away i mean even guys that weren't uh you know major stars in the WWE you know some mid carters they they get more recognition than the guys that have never worked for them and and Bobby Eaton worked for 
you know, I, I don't how many years, 30, 40. I mean, he was, yeah, he was still years. working up until 2015. Yeah, 40 years. So, yeah. Yeah, he started in uh, 70, uh, I have that written down. But, uh, yeah. 70, 78, 76, 78? 76. 76, okay. Yeah. But he started young. Yeah. At, at, at 17. So. Um, well, he's not even in those uh, WWE Knuckleheads Hall of Fame, is he? No, uh, it's not even really a hall of fame, but he's <laughs> he's in the ones that matter. Let's get that straight. True, but and I'm sure he'll he'll be in more. But uh, you know they they may do that. I mean they put the Rock and Roll Express in there, and we've talked about it before, and we'll talk about it later. But the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express are pretty much synonymous with each other. Really, and, and almost <laughs> at least half of Bobby's career was feuding with uh, the, the Rock and Roll Express, even right. all the way up until until he retired. Yeah. Um, and another thing about is, you know, he's kind of considered amongst us, like, you know, real hardcore wrestling fans. Yes. He was always considered the most underrated, you know, probably in the last 20 years. Whenever, whenever anybody talks or, you know, writes anything on the computer about it, it's like, oh, the most underrated. But to his credit, I, I think he's not really underrated anymore. Well, you know? I, I think uh, at least amongst true. you know the wrestling That's community. True. That's true. I, and I think a lot of that is due to the shoot interviews and yeah. uh, you know behind the scenes stuff. And like I, I mean, one of the biggest wrestlers of of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin, puts him over constantly. Right. And there's all these stories about about uh, you know just what a great guy he was, but. But not only that, I think people finally started to see, you know, after after the heyday of his career, like really how great he really was. Yeah, uh, you know, I, with, I, you can go see it on YouTube or Daily Mode, whatever your device is for video. Yeah, you know, now you can go back and look at that. But one of the things I think that that held him back from even the wrestling fan at large, you know, it was a while before he kind of gained the respect, you know, all of the, you know, he started in 76 in NWA mid America. That was the Nick Goulas territory, right? Tennessee, Alabama, that stuff wasn't, you can't find that stuff on tape, you know, because they went yeah. studio to studio to studio when the big cities to do their shows mm -hmm. and they didn't keep it, keep the tapes, you know, they would, they, yeah, would, they would tape, tape over, over the reels and right. send them off to different uh, TV stations. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff just doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, but, right. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that, too. We'll touch on, like, every point of his career. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, oh, I should say this, though. Uh, John, the creature feature John Campbell was advertised of being on here. He is a big Midnight Express slash uh, Bobby Eaton fan. Unfortunately, he could not be on here today. Um, so it's just going to be you and I. Um, that's too bad that would have been which, great uh, to have his opinion yeah i would have liked to have got another opinion because i know what your opinion is and you know what my opinion is yeah. but uh well beside that he's you know like a, the generation after us right you know so as far as a be... fan and being in wrestling true you know yeah so i i was interested in asking him like how he became such a fan of those guys because they he, he i mean unless he was watching super super young uh you know i i don't know how he how he would have been as aware of those guys. Yeah. Uh, and Jim Cornette's okay. done a tremendous amount to get people to 
remember the Midnight Express, you know, because he's so True. boisterous and vocal, and he's all over the place in the wrestling world on the right. podcast and whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, so bef- before I forget, I, I want to just get into obviously. That's I got awesome. my beautiful Bobby Eaton T-shirt on. Um, and you can go back in the uh, Mad Dog Butch Blood archives on YouTube and find your uh, box opening. I hope I'm saying that right for oh, that T-shirt. Oh, right, the unboxing, yes. Yeah. Uh, I got this out of one of the loot crates. Um, and along along with this, uh, which is their answer to the pro wrestling crates, um, <laughs> Uh, micro brawlers, which have really caught on, but these these are kind of catching on too. Um, these are, uh, I, I mean, some people call them knockoffs or the micro brawlers, but they're just as good. Um, and Loot Crate has, uh, or Pro Wrestling Loot has come out and said, oh, these are called pint size all stars, but um, they have come out and said that. So they had something going on with Eaton because I got this here out of there. I got this out of there. Was it was and that on the same show ton. or was no, that a different 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 crates? And they said that they still have stuff, even post you know after his death that's going to be coming out. Oh great! So well, check out uh, Hellhound six 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 on YouTube for uh, no that show. No no no, it's uh, I I don't know what it is now. Butch Blood, <laughs> I, I think it's oh you changed. It. I think it's Butch Blood, but uh, okay. And then. Uh, one of, uh, well, actually, not the only beautiful Bobby Eaton figure, but uh, the best one that they've done. Yeah, that one as, looks pretty good. As far as the, uh, and the, this was uh, a two-pack with the Midnight Express. I did not bring Stan Lane, but, um, so that's one of my favorite. Uh, there. <laughs> did they ever do a Condry figure with the Midnight's? No, nope, just, just Lane. I don't think so. No, I, I don't think Condry's ever had an action figure. Oh, man. that's and uh, going way back. Oh, no. I was going to bring mine, and I forgot. <laughs> All the way back to, I want to say, 1990, around 1990. I, I think, have... think that was like 88, 89. Uh, Didn't we get those at Joe Lewis or uh, Kobo? Uh, I think we got them at Kobo, yeah. and, um, but I think it was around 1990. Okay. I think it was after Turner had uh, taken over. and Well, actually, he had taken over. But e- either way, I'm, I'm thinking it was 1990. Um because I don't think they had merchandise of those guys until then. But anyway, oh, my crazy. old school 1990 T-shirt that does not fit anymore. But uh, <laughs> either way, I thought that this was long gone, and I came across it not too long ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I still have mine too, and it still looks pretty good. Yeah, just just some of the Bobby Eaton stuff. There's not a ton of Bobby Eaton no. merchandise out there. Uh, one of the only other things that sticks out of my head as far as action figures go was like the uh, the two-pack when he was part of the Blue Bloods tag team with Lord Steven Regal. Was that those, like, Galoob figures? Uh, it what? wasn't Galoob. They were a little bit bigger than Galoob and a little bit smaller than LJN. They yeah. were right in the middle, and it was um, the old San Francisco toy makers. Oh, okay. And um, unfortunately, I never got that one because I didn't like it because it was his entrance robe. <laughs> uh, so it was basically just like a big... I mean, it, you know, it was just like a big black with his head on it. Oh, I mean, you couldn't, like, take it off or No, anything? no, not back then. I mean, th- those were all just plastic, immovable figures. Huh. So, uh, no, so that's why I never got that one. And that, I used to watch, I used to uh, look at that on high spots for the longest time, and it was like, I'm just going to buy it. It was like 20 bucks or something. I, I think the price has gone way up on a lot of those, and I'm pretty sure the last time I looked, it was going for around 80 bucks. So uh, is that just because of the it. scarcity of them? Probably, 
Yeah, because I think that might have been an exclusive anyway. I don't think you could find that one at the stores. I think it was oh, really? like an online exclusive. Huh. Uh, maybe through – I don't think it would have been through High Spots. It would have been through another company. But either way, yeah, I think that was the only way that you could get that one. So, so was that the same ones that did like the Abdullahs and the Greg the Hammers? No, that was a different company. Oh, okay. um, yeah, I don't think because I thought they... that was before the internet when they came out with those, but I must have uh, been sadly mistaken. No, those came out after. They were, those were like legends of professional wrestling. I don't remember the the company, but that was right in between. That was right before Jax started producing the uh, classic superstars line. Oh, okay. Um, or maybe a, a few years before, but no, that was uh, that was that was definitely after the old San Francisco toy maker company. But anyway, uh, so uh, he did pass away uh, about a month ago, August. Or I'm sorry. He, yeah, you're right. He, no, no, yeah, August fourth. But I I was looking at his uh, birth date though. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was actually born on August fourteenth, nineteen fifty eight. Um, so he passed away um, just a little bit before his uh 63rd birthday yeah that's um, right so yeah he just passed away on august 4th and uh the strange... nice job on that math by the way that was pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> that is not my strong suit but uh every once in a while i can come up with with something somehow um and uh the the strange thing about it was his wife had just passed away about uh, a month before he did right and his wife was uh the the daughter of superstar Bill Dundee, the superstar Bill Dundee and, brother, and going back to uh, what a great guy he was, according to everybody, <laughs> Bill Dundee <laughs> forbid his daughter to ever date a professional wrestler, and they were Bobby and her were kind of dating behind his back, and then finally somebody like spilled the beans to him, but didn't <laughs> tell him who, and then so he was like ready to rip. Uh, somebody's head off, and then they were like, "Well, it's Bobby Eaton," and he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, if it's him, that's okay." And and they were married for what thirty years? I think they got married in nineteen eighty one, something like so, that. So, yeah, long time. So, that, that so even longer. That doesn't work out too well in the wrestling business, does it? No. Stay away from other wrestlers. No, especially with the daughters. You yeah. just get used to what you get used to, you know. Yeah, and and you never hear. I mean, I mean, and they they stayed together. I mean, that's rare too. Yeah. In in the wrestling business, especially when you're talking about the big, the big leagues. Uh, yeah, it's like so. those guys' number. You can count them on like two hands. You know. Right. He's so. up there with Jesse Ventura. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he was trained by Tojo Yamamoto. Yeah, Tojo was more like his mentor because he did. He was. He was old school, though, right? So they kind of did the training in the ring in the on ring. the fly, right. you know. But Tojo was kind of the guy that smartened him up to the business, as the business calls it. Explain the in and outs, you know, what to do and when. And it's what those car rides in the locker room were for, eh? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not really familiar with Tojo's stuff until he was old. Yeah. Very old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but apparently he was a great, a great worker in his day. Yeah. Um, hey, if anybody out there wants to know about Tojo Yamamoto, go back. There's some stuff on YouTube. You can even find some really old stuff about him. I don't know if it's out there anymore. I mean, a lot of that stuff is just, you know, in the last 10 years, just gone away. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, kind of like everybody else. Like we see him when, when, 
when they're older and you're like, eh, I don't get it. Yeah. And then you see a couple of their old matches and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Right. <laughs> uh, and like you said, uh, he made his debut in May of 1976 against Bearcat Wright. It was Bearcat Brown. Oh, Bearcat Wik- Brown. Yeah, because Wikipedia, I noticed that's that. What I, that's what I have. I have the Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah Wikipedia has that wrong. Okay. Bearcat Brown, he was a guy that tagged with uh, Len Rossi. Bearcat Brown was a huge name in Alabama. Okay. Yeah, Bearcat Brown. But a lot of people, I got those guys mixed up before, you know. Either way, though, yeah, it, he was a last-minute substitute for Brown's opponent that didn't show up, and you hear that so many times over the years because yeah. Bobby was 17, but he had already been setting up the the rings. Yeah. Helping up setting up the rings since he was like, what, 13? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So he kind of been in the business for three or four years before that, you know? Yeah. He even got the ring the bell a couple times. <laughs> I heard him say he was like all excited when he got. And when I was that age, man, if, if I got the ring the bell, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Know? So uh, as you mentioned, he uh, started out in NWA Mid America, which was uh, Goulas' territory. Yeah. Nick Goulas. And uh, so, I mean, we're, we'll, be, we'll be jumping around. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But uh, at one point, he got saddled, you could say, <laughs> with uh, Nick Goulas's son, George Goulas, who a lot of people say is one of the worst wrestlers of all time. Yeah, he uh, was pretty bad. As the Jet Set. Everybody said he was a good guy, though. You know, and just. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I saw, I've, I've seen some of that. And he was over. Yeah. He was over with the crowd. Yeah. Uh, but he just never, so, you know, I'm assuming, I mean, I think Cornetta said this too, that they kind of put them together, hoping that Bobby could, could teach him, uh, some of the, some of the ropes. And, uh, he just, he just never caught on the way, uh, the way they had hoped. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Bobby did some stuff there, but, um, well, he had, he had like big feuds with, uh. You know, with Tojo Yamamoto, yeah, or pe- tagging with Pez Watley. You know, they they fought the Hollywood Blondes, the the original Hollywood Blondes. That that was, you know, that was Bobby Eaton's first big feud, right? And so they they he had a few different tag team partners at the time to feud with them, uh, and then he had a singles feud with Chris Colt, yeah, uh, that he ended up winning, and they said that that kind of solidified him as. Uh, at least as a not the top baby face, but as a very popular baby face. Oh yeah, through throughout that feud. Um, but uh, so then he goes to Continental Wrestling, the Continental Wrestling Association, in 1980. Uh, well, before we before we get there, let, let's go back to that the Mid America real quick, because he, he you know we just mentioned he tagged with a lot of people mm-hmm. and. You know, he's known for his tag team expertise. Right. You know, with all the teammates he had later on. But that's where a lot of that stuff was, you know, a lot of his psychology and, you know, work, the way he was mm-hmm. in the ring. A lot of that was, was formed there because they they had to go to the same town every week, you know. Right. And he would have uh, a ton of different partners. He tagged with Lanny Poffo. Um, I don't think that, that was till after. I didn't think he. Yeah, that was in that was in like the seventy uh, seven. Okay. You know the l- latter part of seventy seven. Okay. But he had all these different tag team partners, Dutch Mantel, and he he tagged with all these guys, so he got to learn the ins and outs of tag team wrestling, 
and how to do that every week and how to keep the fans engaged and mm-hmm. learn all the tricks, you know. So by the time, you know, when he hit it big time later on, he was a well-oiled machine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's uh... – I mean that's just something that is so different compared to today. Yeah, it's uh, you know you you go to the wrestling schools nowadays. It's not you don't like learn it while you're doing it like uh, like the guys used to yeah. back back then. In another in another singles note from from that area era, he he feuded with with somebody named Leroy Rochester, <laughs> who was Sylvester Ritter, who was the junkyard dog. In that territory yeah. at that time? In oh, America. Yeah. Sure did. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Ox Baker, Whipper Watson Jr. Really? Yeah. All those guys? Yep. Disco Kid, which was Rip Rogers. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so he was there for a few years, and then... Also the Freebirds. They, yeah. The Jet Set. Right. And they weren't the Freebirds at the time, but it was Hayes and Gordy. Yeah. Uh so then he goes to the Continental Wrestling Association, which was Jerry Jarrett's territory at the time. Or actually, it was the whole time, CWA, yeah. in 1980. Um, yeah, that was after the split with Goulas when they had the falling out. Uh, Eaton and Goulas had a falling out? No. Oh, Jarrett, uh, Jarrett. and Goulas. Yeah. Right, okay. He. And, and that, <laughs> that kind of killed uh, Goulas' territory, too, didn't it? Yeah, after, for the most part. Um. So uh, when he's in there, he teams with uh, Sweet Brown Sugar, Skip Young. Um, so so still as as a tag team. Well, wasn't that uh, Sweet Brown Sugar? That was Coco Beware, wasn't it? Coco Ware. No, Sweet Brown Sugar was Skip Young. Yeah, because they had. I think it's Coco Ware because he was Sweet Brown Sugar in uh, in Memphis CWA. They had a Sweet Brown Sugar, and it was Coco Ware. I didn't think he teamed up with Coco until after, though. Yeah, he teamed up, and then they feuded, and then they teamed up again. Okay. So they were called the New Wave. They won the AWA Southern Tag Team Championship three times uh, with their manager, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> uh, and then they decide. yeah, so then it says that they decided that they should split them up and feud with each other, and it resulted in Eaton forcing Sugar out of the promotion in a loser Leaves town match. Yeah. Uh, and then he came back. Yeah, because Sugar yeah. came back as uh, Stagger, Stagger Lee. Lee. right. Yeah. And then, you know what? Let's hold it. We've mentioned, like, so far. Well, first, it's kind of cool that, you know, uh, Jimmy Hart managed Bobby Eaton. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is me looking at your fandom. Because it's Bret Hart, Bobby Eaton, you're one and two. Right. Jimmy Hart was the Hart Foundation manager. He also managed Bobby Eaton, you right. know? Yeah. So I, I think that's just, just yeah. kind of cool how all that worked out. Yeah, true. And the other thing is the Junkyard Dog references, because Junkyard Dog, uh, you know, who was Leroy Rochester and Sylvester Ritter, came back as Stagger Lee after yes. he lost to Loser Leave Town in right. uh, Mid-South, UWF, J- Bill Watts territory. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder why, yeah, so yeah, you're so you're right, that Sweet Brown Sugar, when I was first looking at it, I was thinking it was Skip Young, but yeah, you're right, it had to be Coco Beware. Yeah, because Skip... I wonder why they wouldn't, why they didn't have that correct on here, but anyway. Yeah, cause he was the first Sweet Brown Sugar that we saw. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't know of Coco Ware being right. Sweet Brown Sugar in yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Hopefully not. We're not confusing the heck out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it is a little confusing just with all the all the, yeah. the same gimmick names that they used yeah. back, back then. Um, even, we were just talking about a lot of people that, you know, most wrestling, your casual wrestling fan probably never even right. heard of. Right, exactly. So. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he he was in there for about three years, uh, but... Well, even um, before that in Mid-America, he feuded with uh, Savage. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. That uh, he... Yeah, the, the people mentioned that, that they kind of had like a... Not like a gentlemanly feud on like who would have the better match between the two. Oh, and, you mean like in the locker room? Yeah. Not on camera. Right, not yeah. on camera, but just like behind the scenes, like who who could have the better match. Oh, okay. And uh I didn't know that. I just I just heard Cornette talking about it. Well, it was after after Eaton's death, like his tribute show huh. to it. Uh but he he mentioned that um you know, Bobby was upset that uh he could never I'm sure if he worked at it long enough he would have he would have got it, but he said that he that he was uh frustrated that he could never do the spot that Savage did where he would run with the guy and jump over the rope and like, and uh, you know, put his neck over the rope, snap his neck over the oh, rope. Oh, okay. And jump, yeah. jump to the outside. Oh, I did remember here Cornette saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But uh, I mean, I really can't see Eaton doing that. I mean, even though he did a lot of the high flying stuff, he didn't really j- do the stuff Savage was doing as far as jumping outside of the ring yeah. or anything like that. But, and you can uh, find some of that stuff. I don't. I don't know about the Savage and Eaton matches, but you can see like the Nick Goulas and Bobby Eaton or. Uh, the Randy Savage and the Bobby Eaton, uh, some other stuff in the Nick Goulas territory. It's still out there on the internet. There's not much of it. Yeah. You know, you can see some of the promos and, and whatnot. Right. Which Eaton actually had a, you know, like an average promo at at first. Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, later. But um, so then next he goes to Mid-South Wrestling in 1983 with uh, Bill Watts. And that is where he ends up teaming up with Dennis Condry under the management of Jim Cornette to form the new version of the tag team um, because the Minute Express had previously had uh, Dennis Condry, Randy Rose, and, and Norvell Austin. Um, but they, they were just a regular tag team um, under, under Cornette. And they were a man. I so I was watching wrestling. You know, I, this is when I first started to watch wrestling. So I don't know if I ever actually saw them in Mid South, but looking back, what heat machines they were. Yeah. Um, I don't think we saw them in Mid South. I don't think so either. Because I, I, I remember I the I Rock and Roll Express feuding with like Guerreros and other people. Midnight's weren't okay. around because they showed up on. Uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, after their world-class stint, which we didn't see, but... Right. Well, we did after, but... Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, they... Uh, I mean, they, they did... Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the major angles that they did was um, Tarred and Feathered Magnum TA <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the ring, which uh, was in the middle of the feud with Mr... Uh, yeah, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Magnum TA. Uh, and that was huge because Magnum TA was over. 
Yeah. And uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 was a huge name. He was over huge. Yeah. I, I mean, even even back then when he was older and wasn't doing much, yeah. he was still. And uh, so they win their first tag team title in there uh, because Mr. Wrestling 2 turns on Magnum TA. Yeah. And uh, and I will say one thing. Like, I've went back and watched a lot of that stuff. And yeah. Because I'm watching it week by week, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I stopped, like, right okay. at 83 or at that toward the end of 83 I stopped about a year ago watching the UWF shows or mid-south shows mm-hmm. but I've seen a lot of that stuff and what was incredible to me was I watched their first TV match in mid-south and it looked like Eaton and Condry had been tagging for years <laughs> yeah but that's going back to all those tag team matches that they had in the south you know right Eaton and Condry even feuded with each other both as a good guy and a bad guy Mm-hmm. Or clean and dirty, you know, the old right. school yeah. terminology. But Condry, all those tag teams with Hickerson and Schultz. Yeah. And Eaton with all those tag teams. And, man, they were just, they click like that. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, looking at that stuff, I mean, uh, like I remember, okay, so when Mid-South turned to UWF, at the time I thought it was, you know, the the greatest thing since sliced yeah. bread. Yeah. <laughs> but looking back at it now, some of the workers were not that great, but uh, but those guys, yeah, those guys definitely were. Uh, I, I I mean, really, just uh, head and shoulders above the other tag teams, um, yeah. just the way that they did everything. Yeah, the um, heat machines. Yeah. So after uh, so after Magnum and Mister Wrestling Two split up, that is when they start to feud with the Rock and Roll Express in Mid South Wrestling. Um, and uh, like we said, this feud just went on for years and years and years. Well, did they do uh, the big one with, uh, speaking of Junkyard Dog, the Junkyard Dog and Bill Watts, the last stampede? Was that after Rock and Roll left the first time? or? Um, I don't remember. I'm not saying that it went. I mean, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going down every single thing yeah, that he did. Yeah, right. So I don't know. But that was if, a huge uh, money feud, you know, they – it was, and I don't. They put. That, I'm, I'm guessing that would have been before the Rock and Roll. Yeah, Express I think feud. so too. So yeah, and I bring it up just because they. But I mean, you're right. They though, made yeah. all that money on. You know, they sold out all those arenas, and right. some of those arenas were pretty large. You know. Well, it, didn't they sell out the? Uh, what's What's the big one there? The oh, super, the, the did the they sell out the Superdome. Well, no, but they put but like they drew like thirty thousand people in there or something okay. like that. You know. And that was that same match. It was Watson. Yeah. Uh, who was it? Watson Junkyard. Watson Junkyard Dog. Just was, versus them, but I thought Cornette was he was at he was at he got involved in some of the other matches. It was two against three, but I think that one it was just a standard tag team match. Okay, yeah, All right. And they, I mean, they made a ton of money. That you know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Was, oh yeah, that I know. Big. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they uh, the Midnight's and the Rock and Roll Express feuded throughout 1984. Yeah, and then the Midnight's left. Yeah, they had the scaffold matches out there and every kind of match you can think of. Those guys already had scaffold yeah. matches? Yeah. Yeah, like Eaton had a scaffold match in Memphis or CWA with oh, yeah, Bill Dundee. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Who yeah. had them in the 70s and, you know. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't I didn't realize that the Midnights of the Rock and Rolls were already having scaffold matches in, in Mid-South. Yeah. But, uh, or if I did know that, I forgot about it. But, um yeah, 3,000 matches ago between them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe more. Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, 
yeah, so the Midnights go to World Class and uh, feuded a little bit with the Fantastics, but they weren't there very long. They were only there for about six months. And uh, watching that stuff, because later, I, I mean, I would put the Fantastics feud right up there with the Rock and Roll Express feud uh, that they had later. But it's just something about World Class that, like, there's so many guys. I mean, I've said it over and over and over. Um, and maybe it had to do with the stage that they used as a ring. Yeah. But their matches just were not I, – I mean, they – let's face it. They weren't They weren't really going to do anything with them. They probably would have been a mid-card tag team just to fill spots. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they would have ever – and may, maybe they, they wrestled the Von Erichs. I don't remember if they did I don't or even not. think they did. It doesn't, think seem, like they, they it doesn't seem like they did. It doesn't seem like they did. So, I mean, it's not like they were going to get to there. Yeah. Um, and if they were, I'm sure they would have just got destroyed <laughs> by the Von Erics anyway. Yeah, because they were tied up with, like, Hernandez and Adams. And, and then the Freebirds. And, or whoever else. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But they so. were still, like, they were still good matches. Like, you can go back and watch them. I mean, they, they, they weren't, weren't the barn burners. No. But they were, they were good matches. Yeah, I mean, they weren't horrible matches, but just, uh, but they just were lost in the, in sure, the mid-card. Yeah. I mean, there was, they, they there was no... There wasn't a big to-do made about their matches or anything like that. So they had the one big match at uh, Texas Stadium. Yeah, with uh, who's that guy? The the big, oh. the big guy that, uh, and it, it was just god awful. Like I, I, I mean, his interaction with Cornette. Cornette still talks about it to this day that that guy was like the worst. And I I don't know. I can't think of his name. And he was I in can picture him. <clears throat> Silo Sam. Yeah, <clears throat> Silo Sam. He had a couple yeah. other names good, too. Good one. <laughs> uh, but. <clears throat> He was also in a movie. Hmm. He was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what character. Yeah, he was a big, tall drink of water, wasn't he? I don't remember what character he played, but that they tried to do stuff with him. AWA, I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I, not, to, not to get off on a tangent I about do, Silo Sam. I do, not mention it. But they tried to do something with him. The guy yeah. just, uh, I mean, okay, so he's big. I, I don't know. I guess you could put him in the categories maybe like a Giant Gonzalez where <laughs> yeah, he's just really. so big. What are you going to do? He's untra- shaped un- like an un- elongated almost, pair. Almost untrainable, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too. But, uh, yeah, but but so Silo Sam missed his cue, whatever he was supposed to do, because I think he might have been, wasn't he handcuffed to Cornette or something I like that remember. at ringside? But th- there was something. I haven't watched that And he totally time. screwed it up because he screwed up his, his cue. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that, that didn't help either, I don't think, yeah. <laughs> with them, even though it wasn't the Midnights or the Fantastics. <laughs> but the fall, fans but, didn't care. They were happy. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah. Yeah. T- I mean, you could get away. <laughs> you could get away with serving up a lot to the Texas fans. I, yeah, it seems like back then that you might not have been able to get away with in some of the other spots. I remember Cornette, you know, like a, on one of his first shoot interviews, talking about that, and he's like, "You know, if three backflips aren't required, why do the three back <laughs> backflips? You know, if they were going to pop for just like a, a brawl, which was their type of wrestling. I mean, we're dogging it, but that was." the style of wrestling in Texas for the most part, you True. know? Yeah. And if you didn't have to do a somersault or dive off of the top rope and be yeah. a high flyer, then why do it? Save right. your body. Those rings were hard. Like you were saying, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Cause uh, you know, like you're saying, they could have had better matches, but, but they were still good. I mean, I, th- I, I mean, taking nothing away. I mean, I'm not trying to say that they didn't try to, right. But it's just something about, 
something about that territory where you watch these guys that like have great matches everywhere else and like the matches may are just not yeah they're, they're different well the announcers weren't as not exciting so as like david crockett or jim ross I, you know i, I mean i <laughs> i think a lot of it just really has to do with that ring oh I, yeah I, honestly because yep. you can't take the bumps like like uh, a bouncy Memphis ring. Yeah. I mean, you can do a One lot. Of them bumping rings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Fullers against, made those, by the way. Against a stage. The bumping rings? Yeah. They did? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Those <laughs> good, good for ones. them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, their world class stint uh, was nothing nothing to write home about. So then they, uh, they go to Jim Crockett Promotions slash World Championship Wrestling in 1985. Yeah, and you know what else must have been hard for them? Because hmm. they were supposed to go there right from uh right from Mid South, Bill Watts Bill Watts's company. They were supposed to go right to, to Mid Atlantic to, to yeah. Crockett. Why why didn't they? Well, because uh <laughs> Bill Watts and Fritz von Erich, who ran world class with the Von Erichs, they had overlapping TVs, and they were kind of exchanging talent, especially on big shows. Mm-hmm. So Bill Watts had already worked out an agreement with Fritz Von Erich to send the Midnight Express down there. You know, because a lot of those territories exchanged talent. That's just what they did. Right. So he had already made that agreement with Fritz Von Erich when the, the Midnight Express were talking to Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Jim Crockett. Mm-hmm. And then so... Cornette tells the story he had to call <laughs> Jim Crockett. One and a half years in the business, and I'm calling Jim Crockett, telling him I can't come to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Crockett says, well, that's not the first time that Watts has bleeped me, you know, yeah. screwed him. Okay. So they were all ready to go there, and they were chomping at the bit because there was big money out yes. over there. Okay. And then they had to go down to. Root so to... that probably took a little steam right. off of their behind Yeah, I remember well. that. I remember that now, too. Yeah. Yeah. So they finally okay. get there. Yeah. So they finally get there. Um, it, they they get a, a decent push right off the bat. Um, and uh, I will say this. This is probably around the time that I started seeing them. And I did not appreciate them in, in, until quite a bit later. Um, I mean, we might as well just jump right into it. didn't start off right off the bat, but uh, the, the Rock and Roll Express eventually go there too. Yeah. So they, did you see him in Georgia? I no, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I would ever. So see it him was before. after Crockett took over TBS, right, and bought it from McMahon, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I may have, like I said, you know, I've said many times, I didn't know exactly what I was watching in the beginning, yeah. and I know that I yeah. did see, I did see some Georgia, so maybe I did. Yeah, but even if I did, I I wouldn't have paid a whole lot of attention to him. Yeah, because uh, as soon as McMahon left, Midnight's were there. Yeah, with uh, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer and his brother. You know, a lot yeah, of those Brett guys. Wayne. Yeah. Right. Um so uh so yeah, they they almost start feuding well, I mean with the Rock and Express entering in there, they start feuding with them. And then that just uh took off. I mean, like uh I I, I mean so they would have be running two shows yeah. a night. Dusty Rhodes would be headlining one. The Rock and Rolls and Midnights would be on top of the other. I mean, this is a little bit after, not right off the bat, but right. uh, and um, they exchanged tag team title wins. Um, 
I remember they had that show. I mean, I'd have to look through the notes here, but uh, they had that show on, they did like a live show on TBS when the Midnight's won. I believe it was probably their first tag team titles from yeah. the, the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, that was one uh, of my favorite matches of theirs. Yeah, that was great. Because I'm a big Rock and Roll Express fan. You know, they're my number one, Midnight's number two. You know? So around this time, I would have been a bigger Rock and Roll Express fan than I was a Midnight, Ex- yeah. Midnight Express fan. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason. Like, I just, I mean, I've said it before. I just didn't, I didn't get it. Uh, you know, because I, just I, a lot of it had to do with looks, probably. Just because yeah. they. Condre always looked like he was 45. He looked older. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Eaton, you know, and even Eaton was just so like pasty looking and, yeah. and, uh, and wasn't really built up. His body wasn't built up like, yeah, like, you're... like a lot of the other guys. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, they they wore the the bandanas and uh, around their necks, and I just didn't. I, I guess I I just didn't understand it. I guess. Yeah, uh, we're northern guys, you know, and then we're seeing like the right. You know, all of a I, sudden you're seeing the southern <laughs> wrestling, and it's a little bit different. Yeah. So I so I was with you. I mean, in that whole era, probably I was more of a of a Rock and Roll Express fan than a Midnight Express. Fan. Yeah. And and I, I mean I understood that the matches that they had were amazing and everything, but uh, but it was just um, you know I I just did not give the credit to the Midnight Express until so we until started much later. Maybe like until you started figuring out how the business worked, you know, like the matches and everything, maybe a little bit more like appreciate um, the heat. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really explain it. It wasn't until I mean I'm jumping ahead a little. Well, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but. Uh, so let's mention before I get get to this. Uh, let's mention. So not only did they feud, feud with the Rock and Roll Express, but they feuded with the Road Warriors. Yeah. Uh, so any, like you said, any non-hardcore wrestling fan would have probably thought that the Road Warriors would have just gone in there and destroyed them, or yeah. should have, or it made yeah. it look like that. But it, <clears throat> but that wasn't the case. I mean, you know, they even if they lost, I mean, but they didn't really lose lose no. i mean it would normally be by dq or or something like that yeah they get uh, their butt handed to them and you know yeah on what it looked like but yeah so this leads to well the the road warriors are going to do a tour of japan uh for like six months so the midnight express get to lay them out on the way out which awesome. uh yeah <laughs> which didn't happen to the road warriors yeah. <laughs> so really? uh, yeah so I mean, that was kind of like a feather in the cap of, of them, too, to be able to do. So they're gone. But before they leave, they cut, uh, they they record a promo of themselves up on top of a scaffold with <laughs> pumpkins with Bobby Eaton's name, Dennis Condry's name, and Jim Cornette's name on it. And they're they're throwing the pumpkins off the scaffold and in slow motion having the pumpkin smash on the, on the concrete and saying, you know, what happens to people when they get – and I got no clue what's going on at this at this point because I'd never seen a scaffold match. I never heard of a scaffold match. Yeah, me too. And I don't remember if they had even said that it was going to be a scaffold match. They were just there, and, t- and then like after they announced that, I'm like, oh, okay, what's this? What's a <laughs> scaffold match? And then, um, so they're known. I mean, that's like a big match in their career. Uh, the Skywalkers, Night of the Skywalkers. Yeah, they uh, named the paper at Starcade. Was that Starcade eighty seven? Eighty seven. Then. Yeah. Okay. And I, I can't say I'm a fan of this match. Uh, I mean, it, it is it is what it is, but yeah. scaffold matches just don't do it for me. You can't do anything on them. Right. 
at all. It's like to me, it was a waste. You're you're wasting those two teams. Yeah. On a scaffold match because they can't do anything. Yeah. So if you are going to have a scaffold match, and I think they said that like it was about three feet wide, why can't you make it four feet wide? Why can't you make it five feet wide? Who cares? It's still the visual is still there where you're like up there and you fly. And you and you fall into the ring yeah. from that height. So why can't you make it a little bit wider? Yeah, because like, they just haven't yet. You know, like one of those deals. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like and the, that scaffold was like, almost falling apart. I mean, yeah. like the, you know, they go to grab the bars and they're like <laughs> hanging down, and so, and it was it was wider than most of the scaffolds that I've seen. You know, going back and looking, yeah, like in the past. True. You yeah, know? that's true. So they did try. That's true, but it seemed <laughs> like so. I, it, it seems like looking back, most of the scaffold matches had more lighter guys up until this point. Yeah. So maybe they, quote, reinforced it because the Road Warriors <laughs> were going to be up there. But uh, so th- this match, too, uh, not not really anything to do with Bobby, but this match. Okay, well, first of all, I wonder how many scaffold matches those guys worked against each other because that, that would have to suck. I, I don't care. I mean, great. I'm sure they were making great money, but – Taking that bump night after night after night. Yeah, I think they did like, I thought I heard Cornette say like 14 or 17 of them or something like that. Yeah, that, that had to. That That's had, ridiculous. That had to stink. Or but, maybe that was against the Rock and Roll Express, but. Either, yeah, yeah, maybe. Either way, but, I mean. Yeah, I, I know they worked a lot. And, it's and, a 20-foot fall. And we'll talk about one that we witnessed live. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, so infamously. Dusty, I guess, comes up with the idea that uh, Cornette's <laughs> going to go off the scaffold and Big Bubba's going to catch him. Yeah. Big Bubba Rogers is going like to catch him. Like a cheerleader? Him. So uh, <laughs> that does not happen. That uh, Big Bubba says when he's looking up in the lights, he loses Jim Cornette, and uh, Cornette comes down, blows both of his knees out. Yeah. Now, people have said that Cornette was never the same after that. I don't know about that, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think, think so. I'd agree with that. No. But, um, uh-uh. but either way. So yeah, um, yeah, not a fan of that match, but uh, you know, it, it was is a spectacle. It is, it is what it is. It, yeah, yeah, it was a spectacle. Yes, but uh, yeah, so that a lot. You know, they were known for that match. Uh, but uh, on a side note, they probably couldn't even have one nowadays because they'd have to make it forty feet tall because all the stuff that they've done. <laughs> right. You know. Well, yeah, exactly. Off of cages, off of. Exactly. You know, signs oh, yeah, off of it, the it wouldn't even be a big deal now yeah. because yeah, because all the all the huge bumps that people have taken falling into the, I mean, you know, most <laughs> most of the time they're falling into a gimmick stage, but hell, Big Show still. got thrown off a of Kobo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we saw that live <clears throat> too, didn't we? Um, Unfortunately. So uh, around this time, they get an interview with Vince McMahon to go to the WWF at the time. And uh, during the the interview, Vince looks at their foreheads and is like, oh, if you come here, well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You're not going to have to do that. And That meaning cut their foreheads. Cut their foreheads, blood. right. And because <laughs> they had, I'm sure they had a bunch of fresh scars because they bled. Yeah. I, I mean, those guys bled a lot. Cut one open on Monday and, and sew it up on, <laughs> on uh, Sunday. So they... Uh, <laughs> You know, basically, they said that there was no follow up, but they, but they even said that when they left, they were like, they were like looking at each other, like, well, how are we going to get over it? You know. Yeah. Uh, now let's let's say it works out where they do decide to go there. They offer them some money. Would they have had a chance? Yeah, they would have because they were good enough. 
Think so? Yeah. I mean, look at look at the Rockers. Yeah. You know, they were they were better than the Rockers. They weren't as flashy. Uh, both teams with Condry and Stanley, and I thought they were better than the Rockers. Yeah. You know, they they were different teams to be fair, different different styles, but they would have got over. Yeah. Um I think so. Would they have let them get over those the they would have had to. Is, is is the question? I mean, because it was even it was a different animal at that time. They had a lot of people on the roster, but they were running three shows a night. You know, two or three shows a night, just like the couple NWA territories were. You know, I think they would have got over. Yeah, I mean, if they're no if they're going to spend the money on them, they probably would have made sure that uh, that they would have got. Yeah, I, I mean, plus I, if plus if they're with Cornette, I mean, yeah. Fans would have hated. It. I mean, that's another thing. Vince McMahon has gone on record, or, or I don't think he has personally, but people have said that he wasn't like a huge fan of Cornette because Jim Cornette basically had one volume, one speed, and he's like, he, Vince just was not a fan of that. Um, that was probably you know, too southern for him. Probably too southern, but but yeah, I, I think the quote was like, oh, you know, just just a guy standing there yelling the whole time. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, I don't know. They would if, have had to gotten. I don't know if I agree with that though, because I mean, Cornette wasn't always like that. Yeah, I mean, he talked fast and everything, but there was times where he was a little bit more subdued, even yeah. back, even back then. Um, so uh, eventually, Dennis Condry leaves, and I don't know if I knew. I don't think I knew that Condry had left, and this this is like leading up to. The second Crockett Cup, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so uh, he, he Condry is only thirty five years old when he left. I mean, he? he's just entering his prime. Yeah. And why? Why did he leave? Did he they, was did, having did family issues. Ever it yeah. Out? Okay. Yeah, that's been talked about. He's talked about it, you know, and, and he's talked with his former teammates about it. Okay. He was just having personal issues with the family or whatever, and he had to go. Okay. So this is when I start to become a fan of Bobby. Because he, I, I mean, I'm assuming I had seen him in a singles match before this, but maybe not. But either way, for about two or three weeks, maybe longer, they have him uh, doing singles matches in the TBS studio. And that's when I really started to notice how good he, he really was. Uh, so maybe it was just being part of the tag team. I didn't really notice yeah. it. Um, and you know, then, me too. I'm the same way. I yeah. mean, I like, you know, they were – they were one of my favorite tag teams, but when you start to see Bobby as a singles, yeah, you know, and then it's just a little different, yeah, you know. So it's like, yeah, man, right. So he uh, and Cornette's on the mic talking about how Mama Cornette wanted to get rid of the weak link, <laughs> and that they were going to be bringing in, you know, a new member of the Midnight Express. So eventually, they they debut Sweet Stan Lane, who also had a uh, long career as a tag team wrestler with uh, the Fabulous Ones, uh, most notably yeah. the Fabulous Ones. Um, so I was not that familiar. I knew Stan Lane's name. I was not familiar that familiar with the Fabulous Ones' work or anything. Um, so He's an underrated tag team guy I, too, man. Right. And so to me... This, uh, you know, when I started seeing these guys' team, then then I instantly became a fan of the Midnight Express. Why that is, I don't know. I don't know why 
Uh, maybe it was just Condry. Maybe it was just the looks of Condry at the time that I just I didn't like. I don't, I don't yeah, know. They were but, they were different. You know? Yeah. But I knew that Stan Lane was a big deal as far as tag team wrestling. Yeah. So I was like, all right, great, because I know, you know, just from the wrestling magazines and stuff that yeah. he's like a good tag team wrestler. And uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, he was a good talker. Uh, you know, he had probably a better look than yeah. – so I think that that really made them uh, – not not solidified them more, but just just made them stand out at least for me. Yeah, a little bit more. So yeah, almost they changed their clothing up, and you know, yeah, it became a little more fancy. Yeah. But. So like right off the bat, I mean, I was like, okay, these guys, and then and then they were just like my favorite tag team, like from then on. And you know what? Like we were talking about earlier with how good Condre and Eaton were, like right away, mm-hmm. without you know even really tagging, it was the exact same thing. True. With. Yeah. Exactly, Eaton and in Lane. Lane. Right. I mean, they had they had fought each other and probably tagged a couple times. I know they did. You know, in Memphis, CWA, or some of the other Southern territories. But mm-hmm. I mean, that that same deal where you're brought up on that tag team and right. You know how to do it, and man, they gelled. Yeah, they I was did. Imp- I they was, did. I was super impressed. Right. How they gelled that, quickly. especially now looking back and seeing more of the fabulous yeah. one stuff. I'm almost surprised <laughs> because I. I don't know. Maybe maybe because I wasn't there to witness it while it was going on, but I I never thought the fabulous ones were that that great. I mean, they were pretty much just brawlers. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they were. Uh, for but, the most but part. That doesn't seem like like the way that they like the video vignettes and stuff that they yeah. did with them. It doesn't seem like that's what they should have been. Well, they they had to do that almost to to draw money because you couldn't run all the males but, out of the arena you yeah know. i mean that's that's true though because they feuded with i mean they feuded with the road warriors Moon and, dogs. and yeah so so they basically had to be that way yeah so but as i'm saying is that that that's even more surprising looking back that the way that the new midnight express or that version of the midnight express just clicked right off yeah right off the bat yeah it was and, uh, it was fast yeah so they so they um i they did win the world did they win the world tag team, or did they already have the? No, 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 no. they they didn't win them till later, right? Um, but because they were the point, first ones to have the U.S. But they created the U.S. The belts yeah. so they could have those, <laughs> yeah. uh, so they could have those two. So, so yeah, so they they pretty much owned the U.S. tag team titles. That was the basically those were made for the Midnight Express to have, <laughs> so they could still have tag team titles, but not quite the world tag team titles. But um, hey, and for our money, that those were worth more than the. World titles for True. the most part. But but it's so odd looking back, like how many tag teams do they really have and you got two sets of tag team titles. Yeah. Well they did but, have a lot, you know, because they would cycle a bunch in. They did. Yeah, yeah. that's true because I mean you still had the Florida ter- you still yeah. had the territories that were the, under the, the J C P banner and, and right. New breed, they bring a new you right. know, Yeah. <laughs> Boogie um, Woogie Man Laser or uh, Jimmy <laughs> Valiant and Laser Tron. Right. You know? Yeah, those those guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. I yeah. mean, it, just just look at who they would put together for the Crockett Cups. And, I yeah. mean, they, you could have thrown any tag team together that they had. Uh, well, another tag team that I don't think ever got any tag team shots, title shots, but a, a tag team that I really liked at that time was Hector Guerrero and uh, and uh, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez. Too. Yeah. But yeah. I think something happened because it seemed like they were, they were heading towards that, and then one of them, I think, left. Or, yeah, well, but, then they had uh, Rudin Bull. 
Rick Rude and uh, that's right, Rage and Bull, Manny Fernandez. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, so they were kind of going with those guys feuding with the Rock and Roll Express at the time, yeah. and then I think that's when they gave the Midnight's the U.S. belts. But uh, but I mean, I wanted I want to get into this though. So uh, around this time, Dusty Rhodes books himself to win the U.S. title, the single U.S. title, <laughs> from Lex Luger in a cage match. Right after this, he says that he's going to retire, which he doesn't do. But anyway, time to uh, start, time laying the decides, door down the rest. <laughs> right, <laughs> but he says that he is going to start giving singles title shots to the Midnight Express. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember if Dusty ever had a singles match, at least on TV, with Stan Lane. I don't. Uh, I don't remember it doesn't one. Seem Not like on TV, he did, but maybe they did. I don't know. But more notably. He has like a, a a little mini feud on worldwide wrestling with beautiful Bobby for the US title. Yeah. And these matches are are, are great. I mean, it really kind of solidified Bobby Eaton as uh not not as a name, but a performer. Yeah, because I mean at the time I mean it's Dusty Rhodes. It was hard and, to get anything out of Dusty at that time. But it's Dusty Rhodes. I mean, he's yeah. the huge star, he's yeah. the booker. I mean it's almost like it seemed like he was just going to pluck one of those guys just to put himself over and somebody, but it, that's not how it went. Yeah. So, uh, you know, everybody, a lot of those guys back then, Cornette specifically, but, uh, you know, talked about how much Dusty loved Bobby. So uh, I think it was pretty evident by these matches yeah. because he never – so so I think, I think the first match, Bobby originally wins by count out, then Dusty rolls up. Cornette, <laughs> yeah, and that match is count. hilarious. Uh, anybody look that up. Uh, and, <clears throat> and then it's good. I mean, it really, it's, it's not it, funny. It's like good. You yeah. Know? It's a, it's a good match, but, uh, but I'm, I'm just saying the ending Yeah, just out of the blue, Dusty rolls up Cornette and then Tommy Young makes when Tommy Young's count. walking by and, and then Tommy Young, I just rewatched this and I actually put it on up on uh, the Facebook page too, but, uh, I don't know if I ever caught this before, but when they're walking by, they're talking to Tommy Young, and he's like, he's like, that's my – he didn't say that's my decision, and I'm going to stick with it. That was at a different match. But something along those lines, he's just like – Dusty mean, Rhodes is the I'm, winner of the match. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah that's Dusty Rhodes is still the, still the U.S. US champion. That, right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I have that one on VHS still. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it is out there on YouTube too. But uh, So then – I'm glad you mentioned this because I completely <laughs> forgot about him and Dusty. So then the next match they have, I want to say, yeah, so I think Bobby you, goes to use a foreign object. Dusty gets it away, uses it on him, sticks it in his trunks, uh, makes the pin, but then they they pull it out. And <laughs> yeah. so the decision's reversed. So Bobby gets a DQ victory, like a reverse well, not a reverse, but he gets a DQ victory over Dusty. Yeah. <clears throat> so then they have the blow off in a cage. <clears throat> that that's pretty much when Bobby gets destroyed. But, yeah. But either way, I mean, he, he didn't just destroy him. But I mean, it's a cage match. It's yeah. a cage match with Dusty Rhodes. It was a good the match. The U.S. title, know? right? Yeah. <clears throat> but and you know what's cool? Like, but that was like definitely the blow off because uh, that that was that was it, and uh, Dusty definitively won that one. But uh, yeah, what was cool? Way, like <clears throat> watching it, you know. Because I think you were probably a Worldwide fan like I was more than the 605 show. Yeah, Worldwide was awesome. Yeah. And- but they would have, like, that Worldwide show would go out to all the syndicated markets, and, and pretty much, like, they would do the interviews 
and kind of shoot like a talking angle on the WTBS show and then shoot the real angle on Worldwide. And then they'd take it to the arena. So at the time, they might be running two or three shows a night. You know, like Dusty or Bobby might do a matinee show on a Saturday in one town and then at night be in another town with a different match. You know, so like the Midnights and Dusty, they were they had three different feuds going on with three different people. Yeah. You know, Dusty yeah, that and Bobby happened a could, lot back then, but. could do a 5,000-seat <clears throat> arena show in the Carolinas, and then Dusty and Flair would do, you know, a 10,000-seat show at the Omni. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, like you were saying earlier, Midnights would go in another main event in Philadelphia against the Rock and Rolls, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. Now, before we move on to, uh, you know, just their regular career, um, you know, part of the reason why I really noticed him was because all the stuff that he was doing off the top rope. I, I mean, I, I know that I noticed that before the Lane Eaton version of them, but uh, but he's not really mentioned a whole lot of times when you, when when you're talking about the greatest high flyers of all time, uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, it's he's he's not thought of that way. Um, do you think he should be? Yeah, because I mean, a lot of it was if you look back at the time, you know, he was considered like if somebody threw a bunch of drop kicks, Rocky Johnson, the Rock's dad. Yeah, he was kind of considered a high flyer because he threw some drop kicks. You know, if you went up and did like a flying head scissors, he would do that too. Yeah, you know. Or you know maybe a sunset flip out of the corner, yeah. off the rope. You would that would be like a high flying move because there wasn't a lot of it. There wasn't mm-hmm. the luchas around. Mm-hmm. Hector Guerrero, you mentioned him earlier when he came in, he was a high flyer. Mm-hmm. But looking back in hindsight, you know compared to like the early '90s or even 1990, Guerrero really wasn't that much of a high flyer. He's mm-hmm. more of a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was a high flyer, but based in that time frame, you know. The next time frame, which he was still part of, everybody's coming off the top rope. Vader's coming off the top rope. You know, I mean, yeah. So true. That's true. Yeah, but. definitely. I mean, he was a high flyer, and he was probably the best one. Yeah, out, I mean, even out of anybody that came off the top rope all the time, nobody did what he did that good. Right. Yeah, I mean, he did the splash, the knee, the elbow, yeah. the leg drop. I mean, most famously the leg drop. But uh, that's one of the know, greatest finishes of all time, for my money. Yeah, I mean, the execution of of all of those were like perfect. Yeah, and they just look great. So, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, high flyer. So before we move on to a little bit later, uh, what what was going on with them a little bit later in the NWA, um, I did touch on this. Um, you and I were able to witness uh, a, a scaffold match live. With well, I should mention this. Um, so, before we get to this, the Rock and Roll Express leave NWA because they're who who knows. Uh, supposedly, they were mad that they were going to have to do a job to the powers of pain or something like that. Well, they so felt they Dusty like, was like killing them. Yeah, yeah. and that's a possibility yeah. because uh, a lot of people have said that Dusty was jealous of uh, even though he made them, he and yeah. was drawing money off of them. He. It sounds like he would get jealous over things. But um, then on the other hand, you can't stay forever, and they did bring him back, you know, and then they true. did draw money again. So, right. yep, you know, it's probably yeah. more the latter. So, But either way, the Rock and Rolls leave. They bring in the Fantastics as a replacement. Yeah. And um, they were they were different enough, uh, but I had 
you know, become a fan of the Fantastics by watching. Well, okay, so this is an odd thing too because they, even though they are like a technical tag team, considered a technical tag team, their feud before they jumped to NWA is in UWF against the Sheep Herders. Yeah. And those were just straight up bloody brawls yeah. every single time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure they were probably happy to like be able to jump out of there and like get back to the technical stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So like right off the bat, uh, I think it was right off the bat. Well, didn't the, didn't the Fantastics beat them for yeah. the U S titles? Yeah. It was like right on TV. You know, yeah. I think they kind of hot shot it that way. Yeah, they yeah. did. And, um, it was different. Uh, I think maybe it was just because of the time, or maybe it's because Condry was gone. I liked the feud with with them and the Fantastics a little bit better than the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, feud. it was a different style. Yeah, they were a little more. You know, we talked about the high flying and whatever. Yeah, they did a little more of that than the Rock and Roll did. Yeah, the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, you know, they. Well, just just the Southern territories. I mean, it, it relied a lot more on psychology and wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of doing like a lot of the technical stuff with each other, it, it was still like a fight. Yeah. Between rock and rolls and midnights. Uh, yeah. And, and they the did a lot of crap, did a but more, it was just different. Right. So, um, so you, so, so they, they, they debut with that. Um, and then around this time, they do Clash of Champions one. <laughs> and uh, one of, if not my favorite match of all time, happen on this card and no it's not sting and rick flair it is uh the midnight express versus the fantastics in a no disqualification Stole match. the show and yeah totally totally I, I mean it was a decent show from top to bottom yeah. but uh but that match definitely stole the show uh they did a little bit of what would later be known as hardcore stuff in it but i mean that was no big deal because in They've the southern promotions yeah. they they always did that but um but either way uh yeah, check that match out. <laughs> if anybody hasn't seen that match, check that match. Yeah, Clash of Champions won Fantastic versus Midnight Express. Stands it still up, holds, holds up. up. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I mean, they had. I mean, they fought like. I don't know where you're going next, but like, I had like two other big feuds in WCW like before. Well, I'll just mention this one then before you get to that. Uh, I was just gonna mention the the. Well, I mean, I started to mention it, but I, then I wanted to go back to the Fantastic Jump it in there. But we saw a scaffold match oh, yeah. at Great American Bash 1988 at Covo Arena, the uh, Midnight Express versus the Fantastics. And that, in my mind, was the best scaffold match that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember much about it now, but I just remember thinking that because they were able to – I think they were throwing drop kicks up there. Yeah. And, uh, and actually one of the Fantastics – so most of these matches – None of the baby faces ever fell off. Right. But they did. One of the Fantastics did fall off. Yeah. And so it was just like, I don't know if it was two on one, but either way, the Fantastics did end up winning because I don't think the Midnight's, I mean, I'm sorry. It, it wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen. The bad guys right. weren't going to win a scaffold match. Yeah. They should have. I mean, it, would it have hurt? <laughs> would it have hurt to let them I know win? We one wanted or two? them to win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they could have did something where they, they yeah. could have pulled and you some gotta, uh, dirty you gotta trick. figure. You know, after they've had so many of these matches, they're going to get a little more daring and whatnot. You know, and yeah. and and if you're midnights and you're rock and rolls and you're up there and you're in the number one spot, basically, maybe you don't want to be as daring as you are when you're on the undercard. I mean, you got to be careful up there anyway, right? Yeah. But then, you know, the Fantastics were a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. You know, a 
lighter, a little more agile than the Rock and Roll Express were. So, you you know, you did get a different match. You've got a better scaffold match out of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you're going to get into um, – well, well, go ahead and mention like the feuds that that you're talking about. Well, the first, uh, the original Midnight Express. Well, that, uh, okay, that didn't happen till after. That that happened after the after the Fantastics. Uh, oh, right, right. Feud. Oh, I just but, thought you were gonna but, move on. But, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. okay. Well, you had the original Midnight Express, uh, Condry, Dennis Condry, and Randy Rose with uh, their manager Paul Heyman. Who they were they were wrestling in the AWA and doing really well. They had the World Tag Team Champions there, Championships there. They're on ESPN, so they made a surprise entrance into the WTBS studios, busted Jim Cornette open. One uh, of the I remember watching that when it happened, and I popped yeah. huge. I yeah, mean, that, that was, was awesome. like one of the last times that I popped as big as as big as that uh, when they showed. It was up. a really good surprise too. Yeah, it was. You know, yeah. so my la- the, the my last two were like the almost feuds, you know, that the big money feuds that never really happened f- for Lane and Eaton. Mm-hmm. You know, that one, they did have some matches around the loop, and they were well-received, but apparently they really didn't like Randy Rose, and, you know, Condry was only staying there for a certain amount of time, so it didn't go I will all the way where it I will say go. I was not a fan of their matches. Really? No. I like them. They're okay. They're okay, but they they're not as good cuz like we were watching the the New Midnight Express and the AWA and I thought they were yeah. having good matches there. I just don't think it meshed as well as it should have. No, in the, because in the NWA. Because I think they were looked at as more like part-timers, you know, not okay. really for the long haul. Okay. But he, like when I go back and I watch Condry and Rose <laughs> work, you know, Rose was kind of like a coming off the top second rope guy, right. you know, cuz Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, so he he did a lot. Well, a lot of the going sim- going back. I mean, he they actually did the Midnight Express moves in the AWA. So, yeah. So they were still doing the rocket launcher and all that. Yeah. Stuff, so. But even prior to that, Randy Rose was the guy coming off like the second rope. Yeah. You know, he was like right. the high flyer of right. of the group. You know, so yeah. I don't. I I wish that would have went all the way through, and and it just didn't. And then the the second one like that was against uh, Tully and R and the Midnight Express against right. Tully Blanchard and Aaron Anderson, and that right. was a huge money feud. They got to make a little money off it for a couple weeks until Aaron and Tully left. Right. You know. And that sounds like that was the only reason that they gave them the belts was because Aaron and Tully. So that actually happened bef- before. No, it didn't. I take that back. You're right. So they win. Yeah, so they win the tag team titles in Philadelphia. Yeah, from uh, and and that footage is out there. There's no real footage. There's fan cam footage of it out there. Yeah, and that um, that's a great one to watch. Even but, just the match was was obviously good. Yeah, but the, like the crowd reaction, you yeah. know. Yeah, so I was I was very happy with that result. Um, but that did not last very long because then they did the deal with the. The Road Warriors beating them, yeah, and then that's I when, didn't like that, and then that's when they brought in the, uh, that's when they brought in the New Midnight's right to, yep. to feud with. So, yeah, um, yeah, that but, that ticked me off in my younger years watching yeah. the Road Warriors beat the Midnight's like that. Yeah, me me too. But I mean, I understood it after they went to the other thing, and it didn't work. They were trying to turn the Road Warriors into bad guys, and it didn't. Yeah, work. but right. Uh, I I just saw a match, and I don't remember what it was. On AEW, which I barely, 
rarely watch, but they were totally ripping off the match where the Road Warriors beat the Midnights for the belts, and nobody, nobody caught it. Really? Nope. Because huh. I, I looked online, I was like, oh, okay, well, this. And I thought even Cornette was going to mention it, and he didn't. Huh. I think I even watched it because it was the same thing where like they beat up somebody. But we gotta, we gotta speed things up. All so right, I, I go for it. I, um, so yeah. So anyway, they win the belts from them, um, and then. But then they feud with uh, what the Simone Swat team, yeah, and uh, and the Freebirds. But this is getting into Ted Turner territory now, right? This is after Dusty's gone as bo- as Booker. Jim was was Jim Hurd in here yet? Not quite. N- not yet. Not quite. Yeah, because they had so, like, the other guys in there. Yeah, so they did get to take uh, take part in a War Games match where it was them, Doctor Death. And um, yeah, War Games nineteen ninety two. The Road Sting. and the Road Warriors against uh, against the SST, the Freebirds. Yeah, because there was three Freebirds. So, yeah. oh, they also had a scaffold match. Bobby Eaton did with PN News against. Oh well, no, that's yeah, that's still a little ways off. I mean that that was definitely the herd era. Oh, okay. This this, this is like nineteen eighty. 988889. Oh, okay. So, oh, cuz I I thought you're talking about like the 92 war games where Sting like Eaton gave up the Sting. Sting was like Oh, no, no, no. That, yeah, that's that Dangerous Alliance. Oh, that's, okay. that's 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 a little ways off. Oh, in the Dynamic Dudes Dudes feud. <laughs> yeah. We should mention that too. Um <laughs> those poor guys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh Oh, and, and then they feuded with uh Tom Zank and Flying Brian Pillman <laughs> yeah. and the Steiner brothers. And those matches were good. Yeah. So, you know, the they, young pistols. So they trade matches. Oh, they had time. fantastic matches with those guys. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's pretty much the bulk of his, the Midnight Express's heyday anyway. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, uh, well, actually Lane and <clears throat> so then Lane and Cornette leave. Um, leaving Eaton on his own. Um, <laughs> I'm out to dry. <laughs> but luckily they do. And and the story is that Eaton, because he had a family or whatever, he just wanted the guarantee. He didn't want to take the chance of going because yeah. they start Smoky Mountain together. And, uh, well, Cornette starts it, but Lane's there too. Um, so then Eaton starts to feud with, uh, over the World Television Championship, kind of like a mid-card-ish feud. Um with like guys like Brad Armstrong and Tom Zink and uh but around that time too he he had matches with Terry Taylor and Arn Anderson and um these were still some of the strongest matches on the card. Yeah. Um but even even I th- I want to say it was before this or right around this time. Flair wanted to defend the belt on television and he wanted to he actually wanted to lose the match not the belt but lose the match to Eaton. Yeah, Flair was the booker at this time. Yeah, and Flair was the booker. And actually, Cornette talked him out of it because he was like, no, that makes no sense. <laughs> um, but anyway, he made a, he made Eaton look really strong in that match. Uh, and I, I think they said that was like one of the highest rated yeah. matches for, I don't know, it might still be up there. I don't know. For, yeah, because they did a time. couple of them. They did the one on the yeah. Sunday show, and that was yeah. the highest yeah, rated the match they ever had on that right. show. Right, on that you show, know? yeah. I and think that's they had they the were Clash of Champions trying. one, too. Yeah. Yeah. That was the two out of three falls? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, at this time, yeah, I mean, he is looked at as a 
as a legitimate singles guy, yeah. and he held his own with 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 all these guys. And um, he would, you know, he was probably well, yeah. better than just about any of them except Flair, <laughs> really. And uh, or maybe you know, depending on your view of wrestling, he could have been better than Flair. Yeah. Um, so a guy that has we mentioned it earlier, but uh, a guy that. I think has helped with with people realizing how great Eaton is is uh, Steve Austin due to his podcast. Oh yeah, because when because when he comes in, the first belt that he wins is from Eaton. He wins that TV title from Eaton, and uh, you know he's he's gone on and on about what a great guy Eaton is, what a great worker he is, and 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 everything. But um, so let's jump ahead, like like you said. Then he joins the Dangerous Alliance, and I think that was their version of the time. This is ninety ninety one. Where they, 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 they produce this group. So it's it's Paul Heyman, Medusa Michelli, or Medusa, uh, Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco, Rick Rude, Steve Austin, and Bobby Eaton. Yeah, I mean that's basically you're taking every good heel, just about every good heel that you have, and like put them in this group. But that just speaks testaments about what they thought of Eaton at the time too, because they put him in here with this group of guys that are like you know. Big big name. Yeah, I remember uh, we're well, talking. Austin really at the wasn't time, there. We were yet, like, but, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, when they introduced Eaton, I was like, holy crap, that's that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. But I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, um, me neither. But yeah, so they end up having, like you said, they end up having the uh, the match and um, Zabisco or the the War Games match, and th- this leads to, I don't know if it led to the breakup of the Dangerous Alliance, but it definitely led to um, Eaton. Leaving, or, or actually Zabisco yeah. ends up getting kicked out because he ends up hitting, hitting, uh, eating with the the turnbuckle, and then Sting gets him in an arm bar or something, and and eat, and yeah. Eaton's forced to give up, so they lose that match. Uh, and then, uh, then he did go. So then he does go to yeah. So the Dangerous Alliance did did fall apart. Um. Well, he did have the world tag team titles. With well, I was going to say Eaton and Anderson started still teamed up, but they weren't. But technically, they weren't part of the Dangerous Alliance anymore. They were just. Oh, okay. Because uh, I thought that was when they were with Dangerous Alliance. They had those belts. Because didn't they have all of them that, except the world title? Arn and uh, it seems like it. Yeah. Or maybe it was Arn and Zabisco. It was Arn and Zabisco had them for a while during okay. during that era. I I want to say. Um, oh, and they but they were managed by Michael Hayes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Two, yeah. Um, so it, anyway, um, yeah. So Bill Watts comes in and fires Bobby Eaton, <laughs> along with some other guys. So then Eaton does finally go to Smoky Mountain Wrestling in 1993. Um, I can't. I still can't believe that he fired Bobby Eaton. I, yeah, I know. I mean, it'd be one thing to be like, "Hey, go out," you know. Leave for six months because he, he was there forever. I know, you know, and and and, he, and he, you would think he had some loyalty to him. I mean, because of before, but yeah, yeah, I don't know what the deal was that with that was. I mean, I remember being very happy that it was Bill Watson, then it was just a debacle the whole time. Yeah, like the decisions that he made made absolutely no sense. <laughs> he tries well, some of them are good. He though. tries to say that it was coming from up top, but I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, exactly. Why would you fire Bobby? Yeah. Um, so that he did he did go to uh New Japan at one point um for periodically 
Uh, but yeah, he had some like tag matches over there and some singles matches. But let's mention um, his stint. Well, it wasn't even a stint. It was just a uh, kind of like out of the blue. Arn Anderson is in ECW, the early days of ECW. Uh, <laughs> they end up having a match. It was um, who did Eaton team? Did Eaton team with Sabu or Funk? It was Eaton and Anderson against Sabu and Funk. Mm-mm. No. Are you sure? Yeah. Eaton and Anderson were against each other. Huh. So they were teamed up with, yeah, because. Are you talking ECW or Smoky Mountain? ECW. Yeah, because I thought those two fought. No, they were teamed up with, I don't know who teamed with who, but huh. no, because Funk and Sabu were in the middle of that feud, and Arn Anderson has gone oh, on okay. to say, okay. say they had nothing to do because they said Sabu and, and Funk start brawling all over the building, and then they tag those two in, and they're like, well, what, how do we follow that? And so he's like, I just took a headlock. <laughs> and they just uh, – so, so you know, Arn has said that they weren't able to get over. And, I mean, even though they were over just because of the names that they yeah. were, uh, but that was a that was just like a one-shot. So they did that – One-shot deal. When Worlds Collide pay-per-view, right? Wasn't that when it was? Uh, I don't know. Was that the name of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All See, right. maybe that's what I'm – It I, wasn't a pay-per-view, though. That was before they had pay-per-view. Oh, okay. So it was just, just one of those ones that they that uh, they called a big it. card, and then they put out on on VHS oh, okay. or, or whatever. Okay. Uh, huh. So yeah, that was that was probably in ninety. I think that was that one's ninety four. Four. Yeah, it seems like it was around that time. Uh, so then he goes back to WCW after Bill Watts is gone. Um, Eric Bischoff is there in nineteen ninety three. Um, they started teaming him up with uh, Chris Benoit. So everybody thinks Bischoff's such a bad guy, but he brought Bobby <laughs> Eaton back, you know? He did. I mean, he didn't do what I wanted. Well, I, I, I take that back. It wasn't immediate. But um, so, I, again, he just kind of was in different tag teams. He was in a tag team with Benoit. He was in a tag team with Steve Kern called Bad Attitude. Yeah. Um, doesn't do a ton. Doesn't really do... Oh, okay. So they, they do mention the ECW thing here. Ironically, he tagged with so it Lane, who was with the Fabulous Ones, and then Kern, who was with the Fabulous Ones. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just and, to, just around all the bases. Yeah. So I wonder <laughs> if they even were thinking that at that point. I'm sure they were. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure they mentioned that. Because when I saw it, I knew it. You know, so yeah. you know they did. Um. So then he uh, hooks up with... And this this was entertaining. <laughs> he hooks up with Lord Steven Regal. Uh, apparently, they weren't doing much with Eaton, so Regal, another fan of Eaton's, goes and says, hey, can we do like a Pygmalion type thing where I'm trying to teach Eaton, you know, the Alabama hick, how to be a proper English gentleman. So uh, they start – so he starts going by the name Robert Earl Eaton <laughs> yeah. at the time. And, uh, you know, it was – it was good for what it was, but, um, you know. They had a manager, didn't, too, didn't they? They did, and that was that Bill Dundee. Superstar Bill Dundee, it, brother. It, so his father-in-law, <laughs> Bill Dundee. Um, so they, you know, it was an entertaining deal, but, uh, you know, nothing really much came out of it. But they had, like, good matches, it. you know. I mean, well, they it, did. It they, was, like, for a mid-card spot, and they did a great job with it, you know. Yeah. Um, Bunkhouse Buck and uh, who was his partner? Slater, you know they uh, fought those guys. Wasn't that Dick? Well, Sl- Bunk uh, Slater was with Murdoch. 
Um, Buck was with Terry Funk. Buck was with Terry Funk, I want to say. Oh, I but, got that wrong. Uh, I think. Huh. I, yeah, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe Slater did team with Buck. I don't. I don't necessarily remember. But um, but anyway, that that was pretty much. So they 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 fought every tag team possible in WCW at the time. But that was pretty much the end of uh, Bobby Eaton being quote a top guy. Although he did do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, they fought Harlem Heat too, and they're a team that everybody you know, yeah. the more modern fans know right. and. They did. That was, um, that was a little feud there. I, they had great, good matches, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, they definitely did. I'm not taking anything away from them, yeah. but they just, for whatever reason, they decided, okay, that, you know. That, that was as that far was as it. they were going to go. Yeah. Once yeah. once he was done, I mean, then then he pretty much. But, I mean, he did a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, he did a lot of work. Well, I okay, I, I should mention this, too. Look, we're jumping ahead, but uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left. So, yeah. Um, Goldberg, who's new in the business, uh, so Eaton is is training guys and he's doing the capture work for WCW, the WCW video games at the time. Um, still making decent money, yeah. I saw not that. not having That's to cool. do a lot, yeah. So, uh, but Goldberg wanted Eaton to be the one that ended his streak uh, <laughs> because he doesn't know. He probably still doesn't know. Well, I can't say that, but he didn't know like really how the business worked. So he thought that that would be a fitting way to pay Eaton back for training him. Yeah. Uh, That's and, the way the and, business used to work. Right, exactly. And so I'm sure he had heard that story, probably stories about that at, yeah. at, at one point. But um, uh, so. But he was too big of a name to lose to. Right, exactly. I mean, there's know? there was no way. The way that he <laughs> was brought in and like that whole thing. And, you know, he was just like on a rocket ship. Straight up to Hogan. I mean, yeah. there's no way that they were going to. They could have done it at a house show in Huntsville or something, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, they could have, but uh, <clears throat> but they didn't. Um, so, yeah, other than that, I can't really think of, of a whole lot that uh, that he did after that. I mean, I know that he. Jeez, I, all I, the training, I though. think they said, yeah. Well, he wrestled in, like, back, went back to Memphis and Power Pro Wrestling. Oh, and that's did some right. Training so he there. was going to have, and, with, then, and then he was starting that feud with Jerry Lawler. Yeah. And then uh, that's when Lawler quit because uh, his wife or girlfriend at the time, the cat, got fired. Yeah. So Lawler left. But that was uh, that was looking like that was going to be a pretty hot feud for him. Yeah. And then, he was with Victoria and, then. Right. And then that's another person that I should mention that he trained. Yeah. Uh, like, I just found that out. That yeah, because you mentioned trained. that a couple weeks ago to me. I'm right. Like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, there, there, I mean, the guy has, has had a tremendous career. Yeah. Uh, you know, by all accounts, that's all he ever wanted to be was a pro wrestler. Um, you know, he didn't. They said he never really complained about anything. He just he was just happy to be there, uh, happy to be involved in all aspects of the business. Um, One of the best punchers ever in the business. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you could like put his stuff up against anybody and say, yeah. okay, he's the best this, the best that, whatever. Yeah. Um, now, do you think that? I mean, we kind of touched on this. So, you think that people now? appreciate him more than the wrestling than fan the does the wrestling fan that's what i mean you know because yeah. the the pop culture the casual fan they're just not gonna they're right. gonna remember him a lot of them will you know yeah yeah he, he's not he, i don't think he's underrated anymore yeah i i would agree with you i think i think finally but but like i said a lot of that has to do with 
the shoot interviews yeah. and everything. So I think people like realize Rick Flair talking um, about how great he, everybody, you know, yeah. you said Stone Cold, right. you know, all those yeah. guys. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but again, like I said in the beginning, unfortunately he's not going to get the recognition of a guy that, because he never wrestled in WWF. Right. Oh, he did get hired. I should say this too. He did get hired for WWF as a trainer for about a year. I, I think. thought it was longer than that. I thought he was there for I think it was a only a bit. couple of years. Okay. Oh, it might have been because it was like Ohio Valley. Yeah. So he was in Ohio Valley. That's right. Yeah. So I, I think it was a few years. But anyway, um, anything else that you want to say about Bobby Eaton before yeah. we wrap this uh, up? He was, he, he was one of the best technically performing in the ring. And to me, like his punches were top five. And anybody who's in my top five punches <laughs> are pretty much like the best in the ring at doing multiple things, you know, arguably. So yeah. I, I put him like right up there. The Alabama Jam, one of the best finishes ever, and the guy could sell as yeah. good as anybody. Oh, that's that's another thing. And too, he was right? a I mean, bad guy. We didn't guy mention that, but yeah, for most definitely. of his career, you know, and you had Ricky Morton selling, you had all these other guys, but yeah, he was he was just as good. And his last match was on in 2015 against Ricky Morton. Just a singles match. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. like we said, the the that feud with the with the rock and rolls continued. Uh, you know, there was times where he was teaming with Lane and Condry on like independence and yeah. stuff, and so and, that that went on for a while. But. And there's a match out there against the Fantastics with him and Condry, and it's heat all over again. It was really, um, it was unreal, like how they, it was a cage match. Oh, really? And then it was I like, never man, saw that one. Okay, yeah, I look for. I have to look for that. It's like, oh, there it goes. You know, it, okay. to me, it was hard to watch it because I liked eating and Condry like so. My watched it yeah. like three times. Oh, okay. Oh, it was great, and the Fantastics were good. Okay, oh, I'll, have to awesome. look, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. All right, well, uh, oh, yeah, one other thing that we should mention is not only did he have the greatest punch, the greatest uh, leg drop off the top, the greatest elbow, uh, he also had the greatest mullet for, <laughs> yeah. for a time. Yeah, so, arguably, um, <laughs> I'll say arguably for all of those, you know, you, you got to right. put them arguably, correct. Yeah. Correct. So, uh, all right. Uh, Long live Bobby Eaton. Yes, Um yeah, nothing else to say. Uh, thank you, Brace, and uh, everybody. Great job, Mad Dog. Just thank you, and uh, just keep checking the Wrestling Tonight Facebook page for the next show, and uh, we will see everybody next time. Yeah. yeah.